Today's episode of the Fan Bro Show is brought to you by Loot Crate. You guys know we adore everything in the Loot Crate, from the pop culture gear to the epic geek and gamer items. We get it every month, and we're so excited. Word up. Every month, you get a new collectible gear that matches that month's theme. Last month's theme was the Investigate Crate, and it was lit. It was popping. My favorite was the Stranger Things t-shirt. Dope art on it. High quality. Loved it. I love the Batman color changing mug, yo. You pour some hot water in it, and that symbol lights up on the side, like boom. <laughs> did it make that sound too? It did. It made that sound too, like <laughs> boom. Fan bros, remember if you want to get your hands on some dope Loot Crate stuff, make sure to head to lootcrate.com/fanbros and enter the code fanbros to save three dollars on any new subscription today. Welcome to the Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans. Doodle. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans. Or something to that extent for all nerds, the multicultural maestros. That's right, and it's your boy, DJ Ben Hameen, aka Soldier 70 Spliff, aka Hash Ketchum, aka the Silver Stoner, aka Africa Bamboozled, aka Arsenio Holiday. Here on the spaceship tonight, like I said before, for all nerds. And as always, I am joined by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ohura of the Spaceship, Maserati Kanata, Beretta Scott King, the Black Widowmaker, Chance the Parappa, FM187 on an undercover cop, and Flex mm. Luthor. Mm-hmm. Always classic. Once again, back in the spaceship tonight. Gotta right away say happy 420 to everybody who's listening to this when the episode drops. Because mm. I'm already gone off that sauce. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm see, celebrating early. I see you put your, your Batman cookie jar to good use from your loot crate. Oh, I definitely did. You know, make sure you head over to lootcrate.com slash fanbros. Use that code fanbros. Get yourself a Batman cookie jar. I put some Girl Scout cookies in that cookie jar. Samoas or Samoas? (laughs) Samoas, if you know what I mean. Thin mints or thin mints? (laughs) Thin minties, even, yeah. Hey! Had to put some of them up in there because, yeah, it was serious mm-hmm. and yes so happy 420 to everyone you know please enjoy safely if you are enjoying out there because i will be mm-hmm. <laughs> and i am as they say who but something else i've been enjoying this week was the last jedi trailer dropped mm. the first the teaser even the first teaser first footage from the film that i've seen at least Right. And it was a real ass teaser. Like it didn't tell you It was you a real ass teaser. Anything, which I like. Mhm. I also will say it amped me all the way up. I told you this new set of Star Wars universe, these new characters, I have been really really into them, particularly into Rey 
and Poe and the rest of them. And this trailer just got me back in the game. Not that I can't really say I ever really left, but it obviously did its job. It put it back in the forefront in my mind. It made me start asking a lot of questions. We started breaking down a lot of things on our social media pages. And we were talking a lot about the poster itself, what it all meant, all the callbacks to the original series. So they did a fantastic job with the trailer. I appreciate it again that it didn't show too much, but it did what it was supposed to do and make you really think about what you're watching, that little bit of what you were watching and also make you think more critically about what are you about to see come when The Last Jedi drops. All, all very true. At the same time, okay, I, I had a few reservations, but okay. my hope is that a lot of the ways the trailer looked or the teaser looked, the reasons why they chose certain shots were to evoke The Force Awakens because that kind of bothered me. Like you had the shot of Ray jumping up just like you had the shot of Finn jumping up, you know, mm. looking scared from The Force Awakens. And then you had the shot of whatever those new rebel speeders were going across the desert with the ill red smoke flying up yeah from them. that shit was dope but, but that, yeah it was dope as hell but it's still like the x-wings over the water in the force awakens but remember we also oh. had that it, i couldn't even really call it a complaint it was just like a slight uh annoyance i guess when it came to the force awakens when we talked about the fact that they they did just maybe one too many callbacks to the original series and um, but it was still tasteful. Like it wasn't, it's, it's, it's interesting because they're riding a thin line between pandering and callbacks. And yes, mm-hmm. exactly to your point, those, that is reminiscent of the scene when the X-Wings speed by. It's reminiscent of several speeder scenes. Like that it's not necessarily new, but I've come to understand now that The Force Awakens and everything that's stemming from it, that's really their whole point. It's supposed to be the the daughter, if you will, Ray. It's supposed to be the daughter of all of everything that came before it. So it's going to, just like a child, it's going to have flashes of the father or flashes of the mother. It's, you're going to see things that seem like, oh, you've seen this before. and But it's not exactly the same. So mm. because of that, I said, you know what? I'm gonna let's I'm gonna allow this to develop a bit more before I say just flat out oh you, they're just copying because I because I really believe that it's a bit more than that. I, I feel you, and that's very that's a very dope point right there, Tatiana, about it being the daughter and it having flashes of the father and the mother. But also one thing that really did intrigue me was Luke at the end of the trailer saying that the Jedi need to end that alone because they've had a lot of that in the Clone Wars, in Rebels, in various spinoff media where they've talked about like other people using, you know, the force and not being Jedi or Sith. Right. And just the whole cycle of Jedi versus Sith, you know, right. on and on and on forever can't go on forever. Right. And I think Luke has come to that realization. And that alone was ill. So, you know, to see where they go in this movie and the next one, that got me hyped. So I'll give them that. I love that that's like kind of the big realization. And also the fact that is the ongoing battle between securing or maybe that was his point of him being even alive to secure that balance between the two sides. But... The more people talk about him and and his agenda this time around, I'm really sitting here like, yo, is he the alt-right in space right now? Because he's like very aggressive about this now. And 
I'm a little bit nervous about what's to go what's about to go down next when it comes to Luke Skywalker. Mm. I mean, well, you know, Luke has already been tempted by the dark side in the past, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen right now. You know, it, it's always up for grabs with Luke Skywalker. so, mm. you know, that's definitely, you know, hopefully they don't go down, like I said, I just don't want to see Empire Strikes Back Part 2. That's what everyone is really hoping and gets hope because oh. Force Awakens already did enough of that. Right. And, you know. I don't. I need to see you know Ray Finn. I need to see Finn wake up. That's one thing that oh. that hurt me that he's still sleeping in yes, the trailer. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know this thing. Yeah. Like we said, this thing's why well, I said this thing's a bit closer to well, kind of not really. They they're both were like when it came to Rogue One and when it comes to this, like they they are all just kind of the bread to the to the meat. So it's I'm just want to your point, Ben. I just would like to see a lot more originality there just in terms of not everything has to be a callback at the same time i still think that they're still riding the line pretty expertly so i hope that they just continue to just be careful or it's too late now it's already, most of it is already shot but i just hope that they are careful come we when we come see the final scenes and the final product <laughs> yeah, um, on to some better news. Some people who really need, you know, we, you know, of course, always it goes back to us. You know, we got to talk about us for a second. The Fan Bros show is always looking for, you know, new illuminaries, you know, new people to join the team, to be one of us, be one of the greats, to get down with this mission that's happening, this, you know, interstellar, intergalactic, interdimensional mission that we are on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need more so. people to join our Star Force. So mm-hmm. what that means yes. is we are particularly, this time around, we're looking for, our, we're always looking for more writers, definitely for fanbros.com. We're really big on to people who want to create some original content with us. So that includes people who want to write. Maybe you want to write skits for us. That includes people who like to do graphic design. If you're into video production, we're into that too. Uh, all of that stuff, especially if you live in the New York area and want to actually come join us and work with us in person, definitely hit us up. Even if you don't live in the New York area, we're still looking for your help because there's plenty of stuff you can do remotely. Hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. Like we said, we are into every all the creatives and everyone who wants to work with us. Uh, if you have your art, if you have your music, whatever the case may be, hit us up, send in your stuff. Let us know because we need you. Mm-hmm. And don't think that your stuff is like not ready to send in or it's not dope enough or you're not good enough to do the job. Don't ever think that because this is Fan Bros Show. We like to get new people who are just starting out, mm-hmm. just trying to get their feet wet, trying to get into the door and bring them up and let them shine. You know, like big shout out to our brother Ty the Robot. You know, yes. he's definitely a luminary. Now he's popping all over doing all kind of wonderful big things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how we do. You know, that's that is what the fan bro circle of trust is about. Yeah. So just, that's a good like, point. Turn- that's a yes. that's a good point, Ben, because a lot of people who have worked with us, almost everybody, if not everybody who's worked with us, they've gotten opportunities in other spaces as well. Word up. So like Tatiana said, hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com. Let us know what you do, what you like to do. As always, I know our Instagram, Twitter, all that's popping right now, but we're still looking for more people to contribute in that space. If you're our social media genius as well, hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We've got um, some something special 
coming right after we pay these bills, right? Chia? Oh yeah, all right. What up, fam bros? The makers of Orphan Black want you to join your Sestras in an all-new game for iOS that lets you uncover the secrets of the Orphan Black universe, solve puzzles, and fall deeply into a dream that could turn deadly for the clones. Find out what Sarah, Cosima, Allison, Helena, Rachel, Beth, MK, Katja, Tony, and Crystal are up to and how their world is about to change. Buy Orphan Black the game in the iTunes store right now or visit orphanblack.com for more information. This week's episode of Fanbro Show is also brought to you by Loot Crate. And you know we love that Loot Crate because every month for less than $20, when you use that LootCrate.com slash FanBros, use the code FanBros, you get geek stuff delivered to your door. Or you can get it for the geek in your life. Don't matter. And remember, everything you get in Loot Crate is exclusive. You can get it nowhere else. And every month is a different theme. So you'll never be tired of what's coming through. And what I love about Loot Crate is that it's not one size fits all. You got stuff like Loot Anime, Loot Wear, Loot Gaming, Loot Pets. Honestly, every geek in your life can get a box. Mm-hmm. And last month we had the Investigate Crate, and that joint was crazy. Big shout outs to the Jessica Jones figure up in there. Oh my god. She's kicking over the wall like, yeah. <laughs> it was so cute. It was my one of my favorite cute figs ever. And this May's upcoming theme is Guardians. Look forward to some dope stuff from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Star Wars, yes, Destiny, and the Goonies. And this month, there's a Mega Crate Ups for Grabs. It features a premium Groot figure from Slideshow Collectibles that stands over 22 and a half inches tall. And that's just one of the Mega Crate prizes. Word up, so you need to subscribe. And you've got until the 19th at 9 p.m. to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, it's over. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash fanbros and enter the code fanbros to save $3 on any new subscription today. That's lootcrate.com slash fanbros and use the code fanbros to save $3 on any new subscription today. Treat yourself. And welcome back, fam bros. Like I said before, once again, it is 2017, and we are bringing you that hot fire, hot off the presses. Me and Tatiana were up in the American Gods. Press. God. <laughs> we. Let me say that right. Yeah, say it right. Gods. Gods. G A W S. Gods. Yes, we were at the in the press roundtable. We got to speak to him everybody but we are going to share some juicy juicy clips from a few of the folks we got to speak to which includes ricky widow aka shadow moon ian mcshane mr wednesday emily browning laura moon yatide badaki bill quiss 
Crispin Glover, Mr. World, and the Orlando Jones as Mr. Nancy. I just have to commend you on the opening scene with Mr. Nancy because there was just so much said in the small time you had. Like, you know, you're talking about how you don't know you're black yet. You know, <laughs> Pretty <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, and also the fact when he says, 100 years after that, you're fucked. You know, 100 years after that, you're fucked. So, like, I mean, like she said, well, I mean, how. 100 years after that, you're still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. I'm just sorry, you got to finish the 100 years. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> Look, I genuinely believe that the impact of storytelling is one of the most intimate and frightening relationships we've dealt with in modern times. I mean, we, in our earlier interview, we were talking about the role that women have played in film and how there was a time when it was totally okay for men to just smack a woman wantonly on camera. It was like no big deal. Like, he was charming. <laughs> she was out of line, you know. And we've watched as time evolve that that type of messaging is now considered disgusting and despicable. But we spent a fair amount of time programming a very particular thought into you that these are second-class citizens, right? So when when art comes along, when pieces come along that speak directly against that, to me, and they can be entertaining and compelling and, and thought-provoking, those are the rare circumstances where the art form gets to do something good. And, and it's do, you know, it's not trying to do damage, but somehow it does. So I, I always feel excited when the opportunity... You're saying which, which, which does damage? I'm saying that when when the American entertainment industry successfully and I agree with you, I just want to all over the world clarify. There are various things that are often put yes. forth. One is that women are second class citizens. Two yeah. is that people of color are second class citizens. We're never. That's not the hero. The, the well, hero there's is this guy. The hero is always that guy. So the point I'm making is that when you disseminate that message across the world, you can't expect people to start to believe that they're not second class citizens. You indoctrinate yourself into the yeah. cult, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So when images put forth that don't say that, then suddenly you go, Oh wait, I am powerful. Yeah. It is okay that I am this way. I can be a forthright, decent human being. I can have human rights. Oh, my God, I can have the same rights that you have. That's what I'm fighting for. When that happens, it's always exciting because yeah. so often that's not what the conversation yeah. or the information and is And it's often about. the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's why I wanted you to clarify it because yes. it's, it's, yeah. it's something. That's what you here for. <laughs> it's a, I but, talk all crazy and you make the sense. Come but, on. But, but, but it's, it, yeah, it's something that's, uh, it means a lot to me because I've, I've had various things through in my career that I've I've talked about to a certain extent, but I I have a film that that I made which Orlando came and saw. I tour around with these films. I not many people in the in the industry come, so I'm grateful that Orlando came to it. But uh, but I I I have a lot of uh, concern about propaganda that's been coming forth so it's nice when there's we're when working on something that is anti-propaganda what so. do you believe <laughs> worship <laughs> what do you believe i mean it's it's fun everything about this is fun how does anansi keep his followers if he leads them the way we see him lead them in his first appearance anansi is a storyteller yeah. he, you know the story of anansi is that anansi uh 
went to the sky god and asked the sky god for all the stories. And the sky god said, yeah, I can't give you these stories unless you bring me these three things. And the three things he gave him were essentially impossible to do. So Anansi went and trapped the three other animals he needed to trap, delivered them to the sky god, got all the stories, and spread them to the corners of the world. That is the story of uh, Anansi. And as Aunt Nancy and as Mr. Nancy, the different iterations that have come through time, he's a trickster god. It's really about his use of trickery, his use of cunning as a spider, in the same way that uh, people of the African persuasion had to use their cunning in order to survive the dastardly circumstances that they found themselves in throughout slavery and their human rights being ripped away. So it's about how he uses his cunning. And in my mind, that really goes from something as um, self-hating as Sam L. Jackson's character in Django Unchained um, to something as inspirational as Kunta Kinte. You don't really know where Mr. Nancy stands, what he's up to, or why he's doing what he's doing. You simply know he's doing it. And so that, to me, is the fun of the character. Right? You don't know if he's good or evil yet. You don't know anything about him. All you know is that he will use stories. He will use the word to get you to do what he wants you to do. So you're saying he could just as well be Sam Jackson in Django as well as Uh, personally, I'm not comfortable with the snakes on the plane reference. I'm just going to say that right now. I have been mistook for Samuel Jackson on several occasions where I had to explain to somebody that I was not in snakes on a plane. At the time, the guy was holding a gun, and I was in Brooklyn, so I told him I was Denzel Washington in training day, but that was in order to save my life. That was not about anything. <laughs> That was, uh, was a survival move. Don't judge me. So I'm uh, look, what I, I would say is that Mr. Nancy, even as you meet him, explains to you the history and the future that is in front of you as a slave shackled in a, sh in a ship. But his ultimate outcome is that you burned yourself alive. So did he do you a favor? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he certainly made it sound like he did you a favor. He told him a good story. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> so he's an important person to have on your side uh, when you're in a war. Because his gift is convincing people to join. He's, look, he certainly has a point of view about it. But again, his point of view is driven based on what he wants. And if we're truly looking at the story of Anansi, he told each, and e each animal he encountered a truth to get them to do something that he wanted so that he could capture them to take them to the sky god to get the stories. The truth in his story to the animal he was captured was all absolute truth for his purpose. <laughs> so that's who he is. So the first time we see him, Mr. Nancy is looking really fly. Is he going to keep up that level of style throughout the show? Listen, the spiders spin his webs, yeah. so they spin his clothing, always in the finest silks. That's, that's his thing. Yeah. You know? So that's, these things matter not, sir. You choose to present yourself on this ship in shackles, smelling a foul, that is your decision, sir. I, however, we're wearing the finest silks. <laughs> Quaffed in the most dandy of ways. If your odor offends me, I shall cover myself <laughs> and carry on about my business. Good day to you, sir. Good day. <laughs> Cheerio. And Cheerio and, and all of that. 
<laughs> hey, that is, listen, I've, I've been fortunate enough that there, uh, there seems uh, talk of that madness already. So we will, we will, we will see what, what the future bringeth. But I, I really think that all of these characters kind of deserve their own world and planet uh, to come alive in. And I'm, I'm really hoping, uh, you know, that um, like the Marvel universes that begins to happen in the gaming universe just because these are superheroes that I have a different type of connection with for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, just be excited to see them come to life. Yeah, I, I, part of what I, I find interesting about it is, is just kind of, I, I don't want to make it sound negative, but the patchwork, the, the, that it go, goes in and out of each of these characters that you're finding different portions of their psyches at, at different moments. Exactly. Just, uh, the way it's interwoven is really beautifully constructed. Like seriously, who would have ever put you and me together? Like really, like yeah. uh, only on this type of show would it be like, who'd you talk to? What was Chris McGlover Chris McGlo and Orlando Jones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second, somebody was talking in the background. Could you say that one more time? <laughs> I thought you said it was Crispin Glover and Orlando Jones, and they were hanging out talking about the same thing. Okay, cool. Oh, and Orlando's been to one of Crispin's shows. All right, okay. <clears throat> that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, I think that's, that's the fun of it, right? You get surprised by stuff, and we are surprised by so little now. You know, it all seems like, yeah, I've seen that before. Look, I think that everything at some point comes down to the narrative. Uh, the narrative is the thing we use to sell, to convince, to trick cajole that is uh the tool of cults and the you know the tool of kings so i, I always think it's it's fun when you're playing with a character who uh has a gift for that particular thing and uh and whether that person is using it for good or evil good or evil sort of makes for good storytelling as it were and i think a nazi boys and and even though you know, obviously that's mr nancy's not really the focus of it more the sort of impetus to it there are so many other characters like him in this show that I think can spin into their own worlds where they're doing their things and also come back into this world. I mean, we've obviously seen that a lot on Netflix now as Luke Cage and all these characters and Daredevil are all interchanging in with each other's worlds. This seems like an opportunity to do it even more so um, in a way that's, I think, even a tad more authentic because we all kind of were born of a very specific universe. Hopefully that'll happen. That's what I hope happens. I hope we all find ourselves in these different universes up against each other. And I hope the war gets really bloody, really messy. I do, I do. Because I think it's important to get a glimpse at what it looks like if we all just kill each other. Because we say that's what we want, but I don't think that's what we really want. At least I hope not. <laughs> so what does the show mean to you? I, mean, I can only tell you, you know, what it means to me. I mean, I, I can't. I, w I would never want to speak for Brian or Michael and, you know, and uh, Neil as the creators. I mean... You know, the way I see the world is, is that um, we, everybody has somebody in their family that is, <laughs> that is either racist or sexist or homophobic or they just kind of hold this attitude and they're your family member and you know they're going to get to talking crazy after a while. And, you know, you, you deal with it as best you can, right? But you don't want them dead. You don't want anything to happen to them. You just... You know, you don't really want to hear that story particularly, right? And you keep trying to find a way to build a road to have a conversation to get them to see the light. So that's kind of the way I, the way I see the world. So to me, like, I know racists. Like I, so I can't be mad at racists. I certainly don't hate them. I love them. So since I love them, I want them to survive. And I think the hope this show holds up is for that conversation to take place because 
it's either kill or conversation. There's really no way around it. And if your choice is conversation, then you know, how do you spark that? And how do you do it in such a way that doesn't put the other side at a disadvantage by telling them they were wrong? Nobody's trying to tell you you're wrong. We're just saying, why don't we talk about it? And I think that's what's exciting about this show, because I think people will leave it wanting to talk about it um, and hopefully find a, a common ground that doesn't get too bloody before next week. Ho- you know? hope, <laughs> hope, is a, hope is a strange thing, though, because uh, you know there's that classic uh, other uh, Pandora story where the hope is the only thing that's left in... The, she lets all the... Mm-hmm. so-called evils out and mm-hmm. then the only thing that she leaves is hope meaning there's no there's hope, no hope. <laughs> but so 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 but, but uh, as as you know with the children there's always hope so we are the world well well we the but, but, but but i don't but i don't know if 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 hope is is necessarily what's Im, Im, important in terms of metaphor it's like the thing is op, it, it seems from what I know of it, from what I, I'm interpreting of it, it seems to me that it's the, it's the metaphor in the conversations. I, I don't know what the end is because I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I trust, I, I know Neil Gaiman has good intentions, so I, I know they'll, they'll do a good job with it. But, uh, but I, uh, even more importantly than what the, the end note is, is that this uh, evokes thought and and conversations that is not being evoked in a lot of uh, media right now. I completely like. For me, it's really simply us versus them. There's those who want to leave this world better than they found it, and those that don't. Thank you. So your character's name is Billquist, and she's a goddess of love. But what was it like when you got the script with that first scene? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, no, it was, um, as we all know now, I'm a huge geek. So anything that was sci-fi or fantasy, I've probably read it. And if I haven't, it's on my list. Please, you know. Um, and, and so, I mean, to, to tell you how much of a geek I am, my first crushes were like Data and Captain Picard. That's... <laughs> Yeah, thank you. So um, I had already been a huge Neil Gaiman fan for a long time, and so when it came out in 2001, sorry. I was no, I'm sorry. I'm just, no, 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 it's okay. Keep okay. it there. I'll okay. just watch my yeah, album. Yeah, you can use yeah. me as an armrest. There we go. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, when the book came out, I, I did read it back in 2001, and I, uh, yes, the first time I came across that screen, uh, scene, I was like, I don't know what just happened, but it has given me life, and you know, I just, you, you know, uh, I, it, it was, it was, it was just mind blowing, um, and and it resonated. I couldn't quite put words to it at that time. I just felt it, it makes you feel. Right. Something. Yep, that's it. And, and nobody has that meh, you know, reaction to it. There's a reaction, a very strong one. So I, you know, I'd read that so long ago, and it wasn't, you know, we fast forward how many years, and now it's, um, was it 2015? 2017? Well, no, no, I'm just talking about the audition, oh, girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not that far gone. <laughs> And uh, yeah, getting that audition and getting those sides, and I'm like, oh, they're making it. They're 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 doing the show, and my audition sides are that scene. I'm, a, they are doing the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
and um, but it was it was really interesting because that now had been how many years that had gone by, but between that initial reaction of okay something has resonated but I don't have words for it, to now okay you're going to go in a room and audition for this, for the goddess of love. What does this mean to you? And it, it, so I I had years for it to marinate, which is not something you always get, and which was an incredible opportunity because then things came to the forefront that I'd never fully seen before, like that idea of connection and, um, you know, that this goddess of love trying to f find that in, in this time and in this age where we're all about, uh, you know, emails and alternative <laughs> truths. And, and, and so by the time I went into audition with it, it had gotten to this place of uh, by the time I went in with Brian and Michael, I was in tears by the end of it. There was such a sense of loss that I hadn't recognized uh, or I hadn't immediately picked up on the first time I read it. And to have that, but also this sense of incredible power, uh, I've not seen oh, sex owned by a woman in that way. And it mm -hmm. was incredibly empowering. Sorry. <laughs> But not in that, I mean, not right. in that way. I feel like so often sexuality is in our faces and the women are kind of Objective. cast as the objects. And right. For me, particularly when I watched that Bill Cuisine for the first time when yeah. we were at South by Southwest, I was like, I mean, the whole audience cheered, but I started the cheer. Yeah. <laughs> I was the first one cheering because... <clears throat> Don't cry. <laughs> it's okay, girl. It's okay. We got this. Okay. It was just so kind of, it was just so powerful to see the scene where, I mean, it was like emotional and tender, but it was also just like seeing a, a woman just like own her sexuality yeah. in that yeah. way was so... Was, I don't know. It was really incredible for me to see and for, I think, everyone in that room to see. It was a really powerful thing. And, and the no apologies part about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think we've talked about this, too, where often you see it as something done to us mm -hmm. as opposed to someone owning it. Mm -hmm. And there's no apologies about it. And, um, I mean, I found that incredibly freeing. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of it's been a lot of women reaching out, actually, which I'm beautifully pleasantly surprised by but they're just reaching out saying literally yeah <laughs> sometimes that's all the tweet is is yeah <laughs> um and uh, it's it, i mean it's been a fascinating journey in that way and i, I think a lot of um, interesting um conversations are starting which mm -hmm. that's about time mm -hmm. i think um but uh, as far as love in the age of technology it's it's I mean, it was wonderful to be able to research this character because really it gave me a chance to look at something that is happening all around us. Um, we were talking about that New York Times uh, article where millennials were found to be having less sex. Because they're all on their phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, less intimacy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But also less intimacy in general. And, and our fear of, about talking about intimacy. I was saying that 
you know, Bruce, uh, who plays Technical Boy, and I are, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends, and we'd go somewhere, and people would introduce, here's, the, you know, he plays the Technical Boy, and he is Bilquis, she plays the Goddess of Love, and people were like, oh, yeah, okay, I read this book on technology, there's this documentary you should read about technology, and blah, 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 and then they look at me and go, uh, okay, and then the other technology book, you know, and, and like, it's, you know, it's a funny anecdote, but it's also, I think, so telling to, about where we are in regards to intimacy, we're af afraid of it, it feels like. And I remember one of my favorite uh, documentaries is um, The Artist is Present, Marina Abramovic. Oh, yeah. And it'd be where she would sit and look at someone, right? And do you see how many people broke down in tears? People got mm -hmm. emotional. People got, because that kind of connection is, is something I feel mm -hmm. we're lacking. And, and now to talk about playing a goddess of love, in this age, she's anemic. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of things that want to package and sell love, but it's never actually love. It's just this empty, pretty box. And we buy more and more and more of it, and we're still feeling this empty hole, and we buy more and more. But meanwhile, we're missing that, that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say, you know, I'm not preaching doom and gloom, but it, I think the first step is being aware. That, that this is happening, that, that maybe we are not spending time just listening seeing. to each other. Yes. What drew you to playing these characters? Given the nature of both of your characters, were you ever worried about the direction that the script might take you? I mean, I think we were very lucky in the sense that Brian and Michael um, and Neil as well, obviously, mm -hmm. there was never any concern that they were going to write you know, they were they were going to do a bad job of writing these women. Right, like they clearly, right. from the beginning, we've been talking about this in the last few interviews. That it's like, why? What? It, it, it's still the biggest thing that the two of us are talking about in a lot of these discussions. It's like, so you get to play these women, and they're like people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, why are we still talking about this? Yeah. But of course, it's it's like relevant and necessary. Yeah. But I think that. We, I think it was pretty obvious straight away that we were in good hands with, yeah. with Brian and Michael. Like I, the first time I met with them, I said to them, if you, if you tell me that she's the heart and soul of the show, I'm leaving. Like I'm not, that's <laughs> not what I want. I'm so used to people being like, well, she's a small part, like she's the wife, but she's really the heart and soul of the show. It's like, no, you can't fool me with that line again. That's not, and Brian and Michael said, no, like, I mean, if we're talking about body parts, if anything, she's like the spleen. It's like, great, because I've never really gotten to see a woman in a show be the spleen before, <laughs> and I like that. Um, and so we were safe with them, but there was definitely a lot of discussion. Yeah. We were, they made sure absolutely that we were comfortable with everything. And yeah. one thing that was incredibly freeing is that no one, not once ever, made any comment about how we were supposed to look. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, like Brian Fuller is one of the, the biggest allies of women you would have. I mean, he, he gets an honorary woman card. I, yes, I said it, Brian, <laughs> you do. Um, but no, someone that really truly is is interested in, in the female experience and, and, and really wants to know you know, and, and really wants to try and explore. And, and I, th I think that's something really uh, fascinating about someone saying, yeah, I don't know what your experience is. Mm -hmm. Tell me. Um, I mean, I think if we all did that a little bit more, there would be, <laughs> there would be. But also someone whose default 
mm-hmm. is to just write women as humans. As human beings. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, a lot of writers don't do that. Right. It's like, so we've got all the characters, these cool characters, and then, oh, we need to bring in a woman. It's like, <laughs> what? Hey, wait. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there's no part of Brian and Michael that's, yeah. like, proud of themselves. Like, no. Well, we wrote yeah. a complicated woman. It's like, no, we just wrote a bunch of people and... It's not a struggle for us to have these interesting female characters. It's not a struggle for us to have like a diverse cast. It's just they just do it, and it, it that's how it should be, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. yeah, and and then of course you've got the blueprint from Neil Gaiman from yeah. the get go, um, who who said, yeah, no, this character is this, so we're mm-hmm. not gonna mess with that. So Emily, I gotta say, I'm not the hugest fan of your character. Your character in particular has a lot of actions that viewers really may not agree with. What is your take on why Laura is the way she is? And that's exactly what I was talking about. It's like, I want to play a character that I don't necessarily want to be like. You know, I think a few people have said, like, is she a role model? I'm like, (laughs) hell no, not at all. But I, I do think maybe, like, the one really inspiring thing about her is that she doesn't care what anyone thinks. And I think that is cool to I mean I want to see more women like that on TV someone who just doesn't really doesn't have any fucks left to give she just doesn't she doesn't care so yeah I mean I I read that episode and was I was on board immediately no um I I think it's Ian that says this a lot that nothing is as what it seems Mm -hmm. um and every character you think you might know them and you think you might know what their motivations are but the, if you follow them long enough, it, mm-hmm. it might all change. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, fun things in store. And, and you do have these fully fleshed out characters that have all their different motivations and are just trying You're to survive. You're being so good at not giving away spoilers. Yes. Again. You're so good at that. <laughs> I got my dancing shoes on. Uh, that's what I think is like to dance around it um <laughs> but uh, as far as things that drew me i mean apart from being a neil gaiman fan and, and loving the sci-fi and loving the fantasy is that i do do remember really being drawn to the idea of the immigration story in there and mm-hmm. and and this reminder i think that we may all need that you know that that this uh, beautiful tapestry that we exist in is as a result of all these individuals bringing in the different threads, and that if you look back far enough, we all came from somewhere, and and that really resonated and was something that I uh, felt was fun to play with. Yeah, and I think something that's I mean we shot the show before, mm. I mean we finished like the first week of November last year, so then everything that happened after that was like. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we were doing a, a panel the other day and, and Ricky was answering this question. And he was sort of like, yeah, I mean, after we were just really fortunate that after the election, the show became a lot more relevant. I was like, not fortunate. Let's not. I don't think fortunate <laughs> is the word. word. <laughs> <laughs> but I know. What, yeah. For, let's not use that when we're yeah. referring to all that stuff that happened um, and is still terrifyingly happening. Um but I do think that now a lot of the stories that we're telling in the show are, mm-hmm. are, are more relevant than ever. I mean, it was relevant in 2001 right. when the book came out. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, I think the show, we're not, we're not dictating any particular points of view. We're, like, 
asking questions, trying mm. to make people think about certain things that they maybe don't generally think about when they're sitting down watching TV. But I do think that one point that's very clear that we're making is that immigrants make America a wonderful place. Right. I think like that's what makes America great really right. is all of the different cultures. Because yeah. I think maybe people have forgotten that a little yeah, bit. A little bit. But <laughs> so. and, and then as far as, you know, what would draw to this project, then you also have this incredible team on every level. Mm -hmm. Down to hair, makeup, set design. I mean, this group of people is uh, it's a dream. I, I'm mm. not quite sure how. Well, it's like you were saying before, like people say, oh, are you, are you, you know, are you, do you feel a lot of responsibility about what the fans are going to think? It's like, no, it's the fans that are making the show. Like, we're mm. the fans. We're <laughs> the fans. Like, this is, <laughs> how, I mean, Brian and Michael are like, <sighs> incredible. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really to worry about in that sense because yeah. it's, it's fans of the book that are making the show. Yeah. Hello, uh, Ricky. You play Shadow but you're not from America. But your character faces a lot of, let's say, consequences that black men face living in America every day. Were you aware of the impact your character would have when you stepped into the role? I think we're always uh, aware of, of you know, our, our, our ethnicity and, and we're, we're made to, unfortunately, which, and, you know, I feel, like again, I said how blessed I felt with my producers and the studio backing is that, it's not a thing for our studio. Uh, it's a thing for the press. Press talk about how does it feel to be uh, a black man and a lead, blah, 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 blah. But Neil Gaiman, Brian Fuller, Michael Green are just casting whoever they wanted in the role, who was right for the role. Um, they've not looked at you know, that. They're looking for you know, what, what's best, but it's always gonna be there. And you know, fortunately, I've got this platform to kind of talk about, you know, that yeah he's he's an ex-con but he's he's not all bad um we actually went down to oklahoma and shot in a maximum security prison and the horror stories that came from from that place is 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 horrifying you've got people who are innocent you've got good people who have to do very bad things to survive there there's people on death row uh people who are locked up for the rest of their lives and they won't let you just put your head down and just do your time um so it's it's a very damaged system, and Shadow kind of comes out of that um, somehow. Uh, more credit to him as well for remaining that good person. But when he comes out, you know, Mr. Wednesday hires him, and he says, "Who who would hire an ex-con?" And no one would. You know, no one's going to hire an ex-con. No one's going to hire a, a, a black ex. -con. A black ex. -con. I think that's what you're yeah. getting at too. And he's a big know, and he's a big guy. And that's, talking about race in America is a real problem too, Rick. I think you know it's, it's like saying it, you know thank is. God they cast you. They didn't cast a white guy because he's mixed race in the book. Yeah, but thank God. But I mean, as as is evinced by, you know, the late great president we had, who nobody liked for, except the rest of the world. You know. <laughs> rest of the world loved him, but in this country, yeah. but whatever. I mean, God forbid you should have said that he had a white mother because that could never be discussed, which is one of the things I find really weird about race. But, you know, as far as race is concerned, when race no. is mentioned, white people should just shut the fuck up. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's very important to get this message across. We've got a great platform here to tell, you know, beautiful stories, and it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. We have a, a fantastic, diverse cast, and we're just telling stories. The fact that it touches on very sensitive and uh, controversial topics as race, uh, women's rights, religion, you know, homophobia, 
is 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 yeah, so it's fantastic. It's not spelled out in chapter headings. No, you know? no, exactly. No, but it's it's just it's, it's a like great it's just storytelling. You pick up on it, you don't. You know, you know, it's it's we're just blessed and we're just trying to raise discussions and and raise awareness of of, of these uh, you know beautiful stories that need to be told. And and my race is is just one of them that you know we're not all bad. I just want to commend you on the prison scene in particular because as someone who has, let's say, an intimate knowledge of prisons and their systems, uh, I just want to thank you for the realness. Like Even some of the conversations people were having in the prison were just so true to life, and I just want to thank you for that. That's Yeah, I appreciate it. That's, that's down to Neil Gaiman and his, and his fantastic research, but um, you'll notice Shadow's always playing with the coin. Um, and one of the beautiful things are about that and, that, and I tried to learn that, you know, he'd been doing it for three years in prison and I wanted to make sure that I'd got that. So for two months, I'd eat my meals and, and watch TV, just like almost getting arthritis, just trying to make this work. Um, that's his escape, you know, when he's in prison and all he wanted to do was just do his time, get back to his wife. That's all he ever wanted to do. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to cause trouble. He doesn't want to join gangs. Just gonna do. I did the crime. I do my time and get back to my one thing that I have in this planet, and that was kind of his escape. And it's it's you know you try and use you try and have normal conversations in there, but it's you know you're just trying to feel real and you're trying to feel alive because in there you know as I heard with all the stories you you, you the life drains from you, you know we saw a couple of people leaving uh, shackled, and there was nothing behind their eyes and it was frightening. It was sad that they've been worn down and I don't know their story. So I don't know if they were, they were innocent, they were guilty, what they've done, whether it was a, a terrible thing, whether it was just a bad thing. And because where we were, it's, it's not a prison you go to after a crime. It's a prison you go to after you've pulled another crime in another prison. So you, you, you steal a packet of cigarettes, you go to prison, you do something bad in that prison, you go to another prison, you do something bad in that prison, you end up here. And all of a sudden you're amongst absolute psychos and all you did was steal some cigarettes but you had to survive in prison and you know it's a dysfunctional system that needs to needs work and no, it, well, it'll always take, be dysfunctional because it's prison for yeah. prison for profit now and, that, and also i don't understand suppose but rehabilitation America. is simply about punishment which is bullshit the whole system's screwed yeah why is shadow so nonchalant about everything oh in the book he is um and We've kept that we keep a little bit of it, but we try, you know, as I said before, we have to give him a little bit, make him a bit more vocal, uh, and and show a lot more anxiety. And 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 because this stuff is happening to him, and and because we're kind of watching the show through Shadow, we we needed him to react more. Um, so he's kind of got this huge physique that's that's kind of intimidating, but he's got this vulnerability about him as well. Um, and it, he, he basically becomes the universe's punch bag. You know, everything just seems to be happening to him. He's, he's, you know, he's the protagonist, but he doesn't push the story. You know, Wednesday and all these cover, colorful characters kind of push this kind of twig down the stream. You know, they kind of take him in this current and he doesn't really have a say in it. Um, he, we meet him and he's broken. He's a shadow of his former self. He's empty. He's, he has nothing left to live for, which makes him this perfect, empty, vulnerable vessel for Mr. Wednesday to kind of manipulate and, and kind of guide a lot along the way and so you know he's this cynic cynical character this non-believer um and that's his struggle is is if everything that wednesday's showing him is he going crazy or is the world actually crazy you know wednesday's trying to awaken him and 
he doesn't really want to go right now because he's he's just not ready you know it's but it's the beginning of his journey and hopefully you know he he uh he comes out of his shell a bit more yeah it's it's not that he doesn't care it's he just doesn't care anymore you know the one thing he did care about was taken from him and that's how he feels you know it it was taken and and it's something that I, you know you'll you'll feel like while, while while you're in prison he's in prison and that's his fault and so he's now thinking those 3 years everything could have been different you know he's always going to blame himself for that that you know he was in prison he chose to to, to do the crime he's now in the he's now doing the time because if he wasn't in prison there'd be bowling yeah. you know something like that so you know that's that's kind of the the weight that he's he takes from prison takes with him that guilt that he takes with him and therefore you know he's very easy to manipulate and not kind of a the proactive he also needs he the money want. from me yeah i mean two thousand dollars a week gig. i mean i'll take gig. that he hasn't got a gig you know yeah no who's going to hire an ex-con as well so exactly. what else what else can he do you know work work for a dude that's going to give you some money Works for me. Mm-hmm. What yes! did we tell you? Oh Lord, Lord Woo! of mercy. Once again. <laughs> Ooh, stupid, stupid hot fire. Um, I don't know if it can get much better than that. Like I said, watch American Gods on Stars April 30th, and we got more to come from this all kind of video. Make sure you are subscribed to Fanbro Show on YouTube. Because um, Tatiana sat down with everybody, like we said. So there's much more to come, just like on this show. Right after we take this break, we'll be right back. This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, 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 this is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. And welcome back, fan bros. I know you've been enjoying this episode with all that incredible, you know, disgusting American gods info we just dropped on you. But right about now, it is time for one of my favorite parts of this show. The guac is extra. Yes. And thank you, as always, for sending in your questions to contact at fanbros.com or hitting us on the Twitters, on the Instagram, all at fanbros show, all of them. Tatiana, what we got up first tonight? The first entry into the Guac is Extra is not really a question, but more of a comment. It comes from Winston. Hi, Winston. I remember you. Winston writes... Good afternoon, Fambrose family. I'm not a fan of the slave narrative. That sounds familiar, right, Ben? My grandparents made me watch Roots as a child and then later on Queen. Then seeing Denzel beat up in glory, that's about all my little colored heart could take. This was changed by last week's episode of Underground Minty, which focused entirely on Harriet Tubman speaking to peaceful abolitionists in the North about the pending war in the South. The last minute shook me to my shook me to the core of my very being. Mm-hmm. I agree. I jumped when I say yes. that and screamed. I jumped. I screamed yes. to the ancestors on that one. 
But continuing, when she quoted Chump's tagline of making it great again, I hollered like I was at a tent revival. Me too, Winston, same. It was like a call to action. Not to go out killing random white people, but to be a different... No, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. But to be... All right. <laughs> And that escalated quickly. But to be a different kind of soldier in this war that we are currently living through. People are taking the social media platforms and doing things like committing murders. We have a press secretary press secretary that knows less about the Holocaust than a toddler. I literally sat in my bed this morning saying, what the F is going on? But I refuse to roll over and give in to the negativity. I think we can all do more by doing better, like you guys do on Fanbo Show. You use this platform to uplift positivity and to shine a light on injustice. We all need more of that in our daily lives. Speak positivity into the lives of those around you and don't just stand in silence when you see horrible things happening. Thank you guys so much for the things you do in the name of positivity. And especially for those of us who feel like at times we have no voice. I hear my voice on everywhere on the loudspeaker networks from fan bros to the read to friends on to lip service. You guys are always making the difference and you're encouraging others to do the same. Thank you, Winston. I, I, these things still get me all the time. None of this stuff, any of these types of emails, whether it's like a comment like this or a question, I always take it to heart because it's so important that we hear this feedback from you all. And we, myself, Ben, Chico, everyone involved, everyone even on loudspeakers, like we really feel you and we really are here to make your day brighter. Like we do, excuse me, we do this for you and it, makes us just completely happy and com feel completely blessed when we're able to really reach you at a level and like you just described. So thank you so much for, for writing to us. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand, you know, a million times. Everything Tatiana just said, Winston, I feel the same way. This letter was, this email is just incredible. Everything you were talking about, I'm streaming when Harriet, when Aisha, you know, the big homie, came on underground and just destroyed it through the whole episode. And then it ended like that. It was just phenomenal. Mm. So, I mean, I was just so blown away. And then your email just hit so many things that I always, you know, am so proud of because with Fan Bro Show, I know we talk a lot of geek stuff and a lot of, you know, cultural stuff. But the main thing that I always want to talk is just being positive and being like, you know, just energetic about life and just loving your life and doing what you want to do with your life, especially doing the things that you love with your life, you know, and I always want to encourage people to do that and to show people all these different people who come on this show and are basically doing that and are successful at it by just by doing the things that they love in their mm -hmm. life. So I just always want to show people that and encourage that. And I'm glad that people hear that from us. And thank you for this email. And you said something else in it that I just really want to shout out when you said, uh, you said that, and to those thinking that they don't have a platform to make a difference, you do. It's called your life. Mm. Speak positivity into the lives of those around you, and don't just stand in silence when you see horrible things happening. It might seem small, but that's how real change happens. Mm. So word up. Yeah, that is true facts. And thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who comments in any way who sends in these letters, sends in these emails to contact at fanbros.com. And like I say, we always need more people to join us in this mission of positivity. So if you're one of those people, hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. And whoo, Tatiana, all right, after that, what we got now? 
finally, we have from Wild in CO, aka Edgar Allen Pode Up. <laughs> Pode Up, I like that. They write If the Marvel Universe was having a cookout, who would you put on the grill? Mm, mm. All right. Once again, there's a lot of choices here. My first choice, though, got to be Luke Cage. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Why, just because he's yes. a black man? Hey. <laughs> and hey. just inherently, hey. he know how to grill. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, he's not a small brother. So, you know, he got to know how to feed himself. So, which means so Luke, summertime, he's put something on the grill. So Luke Cage is that uncle that, like, just be throwing all sorts of shit on the grill to light it up. Like, put that wood on the grill. Put that newspaper on the grill. Put that piece of, put them dead the, the leaves fire, on the, the fire ain't going to burn them He'd be throwing you know? three like... bottles of lighting fluid on the grill. <laughs> Light that bitch up. <laughs> I, so, yeah. when I actually, right away, cage on the grill. That actually makes a lot of sense and very practical. I thought about it in a different way because I thought about, well, what type of food is going on the grill? So I thought, who would bring the most decadent cuts of meat? So I was thinking like a Dr. Doom. Because if you put him on, he's going mm. to want he's going to want to eat like the world ruler he is. So you would be able to partake in that deliciousness. And mm. I, I just taste it too. Oh, you say I smell that. Y'all smell that Kobe beef. Do y'all smell that? I think he would be a good person to choose. Somebody just just like just about decadence and just going overboard. And with anything in their life, their clothes, their habitat, and including their food, I think maybe that would be a good choice. There's a classic issue where Doom tells uh, Tony Stark that he killed the artist of this painting that he has, so he would have the last one. See, that's see, that's the person you <laughs> want uh, getting put you put getting you the meats to put on that grill, even if it's vegetarian. That's the person you want to give you the most flawless ass corn and everything else and carrots and whatnot to put on that grill that's the person you want in your life i feel you there okay i got one last one uh the multiple man madrot's the multiple man from the x-men oh that makes and sense this is why, because he gains the memories of all his multiple men so i you know first i'd have him go out and study to be chefs for like five years <laughs> and then they come back <laughs> And they got like all kind of steals from all over the world, all kind of different grill steals. They wouldn't even have to do five years because he'd like send out a hundred. Yeah. And they could each learn one dish, you know, in a month, like in a week. That's smart, man. That's smart. And then they come back and chef it up like none other. And then you Imagine can't get tired. They're not going to get tired. There's enough of them to do rotation. So You're right. You, I was just thinking, you know, he all absorbs it. But after that, each one does his, you know, own dish. And they cook it up for an army. I'm with it. Everybody's invited mm. to the Fan Bros Cookout, okay? <laughs> yes. Except you, you know who you are. Oh, all right. Well, you know, <laughs> everyone else is definitely invited to the Fan Bros Show Cookout. And thank you, as always, for hitting us up with these questions. Love them. These were some great ones this week. Thank you, Winston, for that letter email thank you edgar allen pulled up fat bitch shout outs to mellow marketer boy who is dropping hot fire all week yo shout right shout to him i mean he's in the middle of doing a mental health i believe it's a five-part series that he's doing on fanbros.com please y'all read his articles because they are so powerful they are so important and it's definitely talking about 
uh, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about mental health, especially in, in communities of people of color. So please definitely read those fantastic pieces from him. And in general, make sure you're going to fanbros.com every day because we always have something dope cooking, something dope for you to either learn or read about. It, it's really good time right there. Always, yeah. But for real, big shout-out to Mellow Marketer. Like you said, it's a five-part series. I've been reading up on him. He had a great one on relationships and breakups and just how to handle them. And, you know, and just like we said, we're always about positivity. And like Tatiana said, we don't talk enough about mental health, and we all go through these struggles with it. Everyone does, and we don't talk enough about it, especially in the geek and, you know, in the black community in general, it's definitely not talked enough about. So shouts to Mellow Marketer and thank you for those articles, brother. And everyone, please check them out, read, share them, tweet about them, all that good stuff. Fanbros.com, you know where it is. And it's now time for Tech Talk with Tatiana. And this week in tech news, we got some... Most, not exactly NES, but put a little S on the front and you get the SNES. Some Nintendo news all around the SNES coming your way. This is actually a rumor. Um, Eurogamer actually put this up today. I actually trust Eurogamer a bit because they have a pretty good track record when it comes to Nintendo rumors. They actually said a lot about the Nintendo Switch, uh, previously known as the Nintendo NX, but... Now that all of that has come to light, obviously, we've seen throughout the last few months, we have the NES Classic Edition, which you cannot get anywhere, and it's, they're not even making it anymore, so shouts to y'all that got it. But not to be one-upped by themselves, Nintendo, or the rumor says, that Nintendo is going to release an SNES Mini. Um, that SNES Classic Edition should be on the way around the holidays. Again, this is a rumor. I repeat, a rumor. So we are not 100% sure that this is going to be happening. But based on everything we've been reading and based on the details that Eurogamer gives, it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, when I think about it from a business standpoint, Nintendo's stupid not to do it, right? Then um, if that's happening, then my next thought is, so wait, what about like is Nintendo 64 Classic Edition going to come out too? Mm, mm. If they do that, if they do that, then the entire place is blowing the fuck up because that would spark off everything for me and for a lot of people who like grew up playing on that system. Oh my God! It would change the. It would just change everything. Goldeneye. Yo. You bring back Goldeneye. Oh. <laughs> over. Over. I might stop playing Overwatch. Really? Like, you stop playing Overwatch for for N sixty four Goldeneye with the polygons and all? Oh my. I mean, God. it was fun, but care. you you do it. It's probably my favorite shooter ever still right. to this day. And there's a whole yeah. generation of people who have never heard that or never known that that existed. So I wonder wow. how they think about it. I mean, there's a lot of really, you got to remember that at this point, there's a whole generation of people who were not privy to the glory of like the late 90s, 2000s, shit like that. So the N64, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yep. man. So definitely, guys, keep your eye out on that. We'll, we'll follow that as things develop. But rumor, rumor, but it does make sense if it happens. And that rounds out tech news this week. Whew, yeah, this might be one of those big ones for comics. I copped. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh is right because finally, 
The no, not the rock. Uh, actually, today, <laughs> Secret Empire Zero finally dropped. This is Marvel's next big event series after yet another event series that probably just Don't ended last month. Don't you think they're doing too many events? Way too many. That is a huge like, problem. I thought the whole point of an event was that it was a special moment in time that doesn't come often, i.e. an nope. event. Not a anymore, they ain't. Because like, Marvel just ended Inhumans versus X-Men. They probably had something else going on that I don't know about because I don't read all their you know books. But they damn sure just ended that. Secret Empire is pretty much one of those events that's trying to take over the whole line of Marvel for the summer. You know, this is how they do. Every summer, you got to have your midsummer event. And Secret Empire is it. And it's a very controversial event for those who haven't been following for a while. You know, this is where Captain America has been revealed to be an agent of Hydra for his whole career uh, through some, you know, changes or whatever. And a lot of people are mad about it for various reasons. One being that the creators of Captain America both fought in World War II against Nazis and Hydra for most of their career has represented Nazis in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. So people were really upset that you would turn this character who is designed to be something going against Nazis into this character who is basically a Nazi. People are still upset and I understand. Oh, and I understand too. Marvel's tried to distance, you know, Hydra. Even in this latest issue, they're trying to distance Hydra from the Nazis. But at the same time, it's shown that Steve, Captain America, has helped, you know, Hydra, Nazis, whatever, fight against the Allies. So either way, he's, you know, helping. And there's some other egregious things in this issue. Um, Spoiler alert. The big twist of Secret Empire so far is that Captain America has always been a Hydra agent. It wasn't the Cosmic Cube that turned him to a Hydra agent. He was always a Hydra agent. He was just waiting for the Cosmic Cube to wake him up from his Hydra sleep that he'd been put under many, many years ago at the end of World War II. Mm. So basically, the twist is that everything we've always known about Captain America is wrong. He's always been down for Hydra. And he was just like sleep through, you know, all the adventures that we know and love. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's too many events. <laughs> uh, I mean, 100%. All that nonsense talk about, you know, diversity doesn't sell is nowhere near Marvel or DC or any of the big companies. Well, actually, the two big companies, Marvel and DC's problem is that there's way too many events. I want to give a big shout out to at King Impulse, the author of this great article that will basically catch you up on this whole Secret Empire mess and let you know if you need to buy it or not. My, nah. <laughs> but shout out to at King Impulse. He's also the host of the Journey into Misery podcast. So check that out as well. This week, things I would say that you need to cop. Of course, the latest issue of Invincible is out. Always a great buy. New stuff this week, though. World Reader number 1 by Jeff Loveness, Juan Doe, and Rachel Deering on the colors. Ooh, Rachel. Those colors on this book. World Reader number 1 is an interesting new book mm-hmm. that features this. Uh, it features a woman. She's an astronaut, and she's traveling through the universe with her team of other astronauts, and they're investigating all these dead worlds. Like They haven't found life at all anywhere. All they find is worlds that were dead, where there was once alien races, but there's nothing left. So they're wondering, is there any life left in the universe other than humans? And she's also a psychic who can like read 
the ghost imprint of these dead worlds. So that's why she's out there. And I don't want to give away the twist at the end of the issue, but it's definitely a dope first issue. Juan Doe and Rachel Deering, like Juan's art is great, and Rachel Deering's colors are just beautiful stuff. So definitely check that out. And also on some dope-ass art and a good story, Knit Fury number one dropped this week from Marvel, written by James Robinson, with art by ACO, who is sick. Like, dude is sick. And it's like, uh, it reminiscent of old school Nit Fury with the Steranko art, real spy adventures, but it features the new young black Samuel Jackson looking Nit Fury. So definitely check that out. Nit Fury number one drop. I love that. And World Reader number one. Also, the Batman trade collecting the second part of Tom King's um, run on Batman, which mm-hmm. features Bane. It's called I Am Suicide. It's a dope-ass Tom King, you know, the Vision, Omega Men, is killing it on Batman as well. So definitely check that out. And the latest Saga trade. If you're not reading Saga, you're just missing out. And so you should be picking up these trades at the very least also out. So definitely check all that out. That's it for Comments I Cop. Like I said, Secret Empire, nah, not so far. Definitely check out World Reader number one and Knit Fury number one. Those are my two big buys of the week. And if you're not reading Invincible, Saga, Batman, you need to be reading all those. So definitely check those out as well. Nice. All right. And that's it for Comics I Copped. But in some related comic book news, the Captain Marvel director has been revealed, or should I say directors? Because Marvel has picked up Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, the directors of a 2015 film, Mississippi Grind. And now they pop into Marvel, so. Dope. Dope. Um, I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I just, I don't know what to expect at all. So I'm just, like, hanging on. I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. I do have yeah. some quick movie news. One, Spider-Man has been confirmed for Avengers 4. Avengers 4, the working title, is dropping in 2019, but Peter Parker is absolutely coming over to the MCU. So that's... Conf- he's trying to be in uh, Infinity War before that. Oh, yeah, so... so he's, but but he's, he's definitely War. coming over heavy, let's for, say that. For part four as well, yeah. 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 Um, it's been confirmed that Blind Owl is coming back. Uh, she will be back in De- Deadpool 2, played by Leslie Uggams. She's going to reprise her role... Also, there was some great news this week about from Aisha Hines, Harriet Tubman from Underground herself. She is going to be joining the Godzilla King of the Monsters cast. Um, she thinks she's joining with Millie Bobby Brown, who you all know and love from Why Am I Blinking Out, Netflix, The Upside Down. Stranger Things. Thank you. Also joining will be Vera Farmiga, Kyle Chandler, Ken Watanabe, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. That looks like it's going to be fun. Um, Fast and Furious 10 will indeed end the franchise. They have confirmed that that is, will be the last Fast and Furious movie. So we have a bit of a ways to go. What are we on? Seven? Eight? Eight. Wait, wait. 10 will end it? 10 will end it. Confirmed. Wow. Con- I think we're on eight. Yeah, I think we're on eight right now. I figured they'd go to nine, but why not? Why not go to ten? Why would they, why would yeah. they just stop at nine? Might as well stop at a round number, right? Um, I mean, three trilogies is what I figured, but, you know, it's not like these movies have any arc. Eh, yeah, like, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Uh, <laughs> but no. also, I, well, I knew about the live-action Aladdin movie that's coming up, 
But apparently they're looking at Will Smith as the genie, which I can, one, I just think it's weird. But two, I Mm. also know he could pull it off the ears. Oh, this ain't Dumbo. This is Aladdin. But he's not playing Dumbo, sir. So wait, who's being rude? Me or you? You? So <laughs> this is I, Aladdin. I mean, his ears, like his ears, don't make Aladdin. The genie. The listen. The genie is a blue cartoon character. But then this also makes me think: that, Is people going to take this another way and be like, well, if this is really supposed to be about Aladdin and it's live action, and you would want to think you would put in people who have Middle Eastern descent in there? then why would the genie be well but whatever i i i just think it's weird personally that i think it's weird something like way. aladdin is being brought to a full blown live action thing like there is the aladdin show on broadway so there's a piece of that already and i i, I just don't see why we have to do everything live action whatever uh, but to your you mentioned dumbo ben smith is not doing that anymore he com- okay. it's confirmed that he's not doing it anymore. So he's potentially up for the genie role. We'll see what happens. I can't see it. I mean, Robin Williams was just so iconic. Right. Like I don't, I just do as a voice, but you, but he's there as a voice voicing genie. But you're saying you even see him as the face, right? Like no, it's not even saying? a face. It's not. No, no. I'm just saying that like voice, like personality. To be that character, you have to have a personality. You have to have that humor, that wit, everything. Like I love Will Smith as an actor, but I just don't think that he's you know ready for that Aladdin. That that's a. Mo- I mean, Robin Williams destroyed that joint. Like, I mean, of he course he did. It's yeah. icon- iconic role, and and rest in power to him. The thing is, if they're going, they're going to do these reboots, whether we like it or not. They're going to do these reimaginings, whether we like it or not. So we got to start thinking about <laughs> our future. <laughs> I don't know if Will Smith is, is quite right for this future, but I'm not going to say absolutely not. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Also, the first trailer for the Cloak and Dagger TV show coming from Freeform in 2018 dropped. And I'm actually really impressed. I have no idea who the hell Freeform TV is. <laughs> but if you watch the trailer, it looks like a Netflix light show. You know, it looks like very well directed, right. very well shot. The actors are young versions of, you know, um, Cloak and Dagger. And I can't lie, when they have their little meeting moment in the trailer, I was like, oh, that's the first meeting of Cloak and Dagger. Like, that's live. You know, it was... It's well done. It's a well done trailer. Yeah, it's okay that you don't know that channel. I don't really either. But then again, a lot of people didn't know WGN America, and they popping mm. with Underground right now. So, and we're about to have scalped. So they are doing it. So, like you said, who knows? Freeform TV and Freeform TV has this, and I want to say they have Runaways coming a little later from Marvel as well. So they're gonna be popping. Yo, nice. And yeah. All right. Ooh, I think that's it for this American Gods episode of Fan Bros Show. Anything else before we get out of here, Tatiana? Yes, we must praise one more American God. Her name is mm. Serena Jamika Williams. She, yes. the queen, the goat, greatest athlete of all time, is pregnant. She announced it on her Snapchat this morning. She is 20 weeks along, which when I sat there and did the math, I said, wait a minute. 
That means she was pregnant December, January, which also means when she won, I believe January 28th, she won the Australian Open and won her Grand Slam. So I mean, she was pregnant when she won. Mm. Which well, I mean, means basically... her baby is a champion already. Wow. Which means I mean, her I... baby is more accomplished than me right now. So <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> 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 but that's I think that was kind of like that Beyonce effect where Beyonce was like, well, look, I'm going to be up on stage, pregnant, rocking out, right, doing all this. Right. And then and then Serena was like, OK, then, girl, I'm just going to go ahead and win this championship. Yeah. So congratulations. I stand for Serena. I always will. And if you guys want to talk to me on Twitter about standing for her, you can follow me and let's do that at Tatiana King. If you want to talk to DJ Ben, I mean, about life or about race or you just want to get blocked by him, hit him up at DJ Ben <laughs> Follow us at Fanbro Show. We're always doing live tweets. We're always doing funny and fun stuff. And we're always talking about the real as well. And as we said at the top of the show, if you have questions for us, whether it's a guac question, whether you have a comment, whether you want to join the Fanbro's team in any capacity, hit us up at contact at fanbros.com. And as always, make sure if you haven't already that you jump on board with us Get your Loot Crate subscription. Go to LootCrate.com slash FanBros and use the code FanBros to get your discount on your Loot Crate subscription. And while we're talking about spending money, like I always say, you can do something good with that money. Head over to the theworldisyoursbook.com mm-hmm. and pick up a copy of my children's book, The World Is Yours, written by me with illustrations by Marcus Aline. It's a rhyming children's book designed to encourage positivity in a young child's life. You know, just like we do on the show for the older generation, we got to do it for younger kids too, you know, for the next generation. So go get yourself a copy, theworldisyoursbook.com. Get yourself a copy of The World Is Yours. Live on the edge. <laughs> Risk it all. But shout out to The Edge from U2 too, rocking on that Kendrick album. Shouts out to the Edge from wrestling too. Mm-hmm. All the edges <laughs> up in here. Shout out to everybody who gets the Edge lined up nice. Shout out to everybody who lives their life on the Edge. <laughs> <laughs>